0: Clint Eastwood may be a sex symbol, and indeed he's certainly proven to be to millions of women. His comments on women, and women in film, are very interesting. You'll find out.
1: So you're not married? Nope.
2: Ever been?
0: Nope.
2: Want to be? No.
0: Don't you want a woman of your own? What for? Share your name, bear your
2: children,
0: be a companion. They ask me to quit drinking? Quit gambling, save my money, and a bitch about her aches and pains all day. No, thanks.
2: It must be a lonely life. It's a great life.
0: Nice. nice. All right. Welcome back to Nice. How are you doing, Monty?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well. So I feel like you and I have the good and the ugly taken care of in-house. So today we've decided to subcontract out the third adjective to the baddest man in podcasting, the Golden State Drifter. The California Cowboy himself, ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Glenn Rockney.
1: Nice. I'm glad because I thought I was just bad, like as in poor, you know. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that, that happened too. Uh, yes, Doctor, thank you very much, uh, magna cum laude, uh, all that. But uh, that, let's not make that the crux of the conversation. Of course, my that'll acolyte, be the clip. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that, but Professor yeah. Doctor. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So we've uh, we brought Glenn on today to talk about Clint Eastwood um who's been referenced many times on the rare candy podcast mm-hmm. by which uh, glenn is at the helm so what was your we'll jump right into it what was your first experience with clint eastwood what what drew you to the man
1: i think a lot of times you watch clint eastwood without knowing especially if you're if you if you're our age you know a, a millennial you've seen a movie he's directed that he's not necessarily in um you know obviously you know grant Torino was a big one um i think uh i, I remember watching just a few, a few movies with him on TV, and my mom was a, uh, you know, my mom liked him, but my mom's diehard liberal, so she never really like we never did the binge at the house as a kid because it was just he's Well, ever very... since
2: he did the chair thing,
1: yeah, yeah, the the he, was,
2: he was chair. he was cut off.
1: It was electric, yeah, when he did that. But the, he, yeah, and even before that, everybody knew him as kind of a reactionary, the dirty hairy type character, and he most certainly is kind of like an Iron Randian kind of figure. And uh, so, I, man, the first is it's tough. I think Grant Torino was the first time where was everybody was saying the lines at school the next day because I think I was like a junior when that came out or something. And everybody was saying the lines. And it was just funny that he was this old guy. But then you realize it's like, no, this not only is he this old guy, but he was at every stage of his acting career. He had an iconic period. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, then the last couple of years running a show, kind of trying to succeed in this huge, huge pond, like just full of, you know, people are just starting new podcast. No, I'm kidding. But you know, (laughs) as competition, no, 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 of course not. But the, you know, people are, there's a big flooded market um, and you're trying to stand out and you also want to have control of everything. And I've always loved that he, at at every point of his career, he sacrificed a lot of perhaps even more mainstream appeal to like have a profitable movie and have control over everything. And I'm kind of like, damn, that's, Kind of the goal. I think most people would want his career, even if you were like somebody who is this decorated, decorated actor or decorated director. It's like they don't they probably actually wanted to have the longevity and profitability of Clint Eastwood.
0: Yeah, in terms of like early auteurs, if you'll forgive the expression, um, (laughs) it's like him and Woody Allen, I think, right at the forefront in the 70s, just being like, I'm running the show, I'm doing all the shit that I think is cool. With Woody Allen, obviously there's there are perhaps some things that I wouldn't co sign myself,
2: but Yeah, but they have blank checks, so the green lights for everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Monty, how about you? What was your first experience with uh with Clint? Uh
2: so my dad used to have TCM on all the time. So uh like I remember just uh like ambiently hearing the wah, 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 like over and over and over again. So uh it, it like it it was like even subliminal um A lot of the Clint Eastwood stuff. I mean, his influence is everywhere, and even I think it was like a, uh, like Fairly Odd Parents or something does like spoofs of him all the time. It's uh, he's just like such an iconic character that's just, he, he feels like he's just always been there, and um, yeah. So it would definitely be like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and that's still like the coolest cowboy movie of all time.
1: It's killer. It's so good. I mean, it, it's it's what you. Why, you you get over the, the the trilogy. I mean, the trilogy is amazing too. particularly one in three fistful of dollars in the good in the bad and the ugly. And but the good bad, and the ugly is its own kind of epic. The other ones are very that, you know, spaghetti, just kind of quick. Uh, um, not a lot going on, but it's it's it, they're taken after the samurai movies of uh, Kurosawa. Um, and there's a funny fact about Clint Eastwood, why he's picked for those movies. Um, Sergio Leone was obsessed with, um, cause it's weird. There's, there's a, there's a weird lineage. People say that the Western spaghetti Westerns t- were taken from the Japanese uh, Kurosawa stuff. However, Kurosawa took from Dashiell Hammett, the red oh. harvest, the drifter archetype from that to make the samurai movie. So it all starts in the Bay area is what you should all learn from that. Uh, Dashiell Hammett shout out. But the, the, Clint Eastwood was picked because it was between him and Charles Bronson. What do those two guys have in common with Japanese people? Squinty <laughs> eyes. No, this is it's a fact. This is not me projecting, which can often happen. Like this is they're just like it's got to be a white guy, but we want that because it's, it's all these close-ups of the of the squinty eyes, and it's it's that's why it worked.
0: Damn, I think I'm going to have to pivot to westerns. I think. I think if it's really yeah. early in the morning, there's uh, there's no eyes to be found, I think, in the front of my face. <laughs> um, I think my, I guess my first, my first actual experience with Clint was in sort of parodies of, I think, probably Fistful of Dollars and those kind of movies. Like there's that scene in Back to the Future, in the third one, when he, mm-hmm. when, uh, Marty McFly just eats a bunch of pistol shots to the chest and then he lets loose the pot lid or whatever, which I think is from Good and the Bad and the Ugly. But that was really my first introduction to even the archetype itself. The first actual Clint movie that I watched was Gran Torino. It was when I was first starting to fall from leftism, I think, (laughs) and everything was kind of a bummer to me to watch because I found it all so annoying. This would have been like a year into COVID or whatever. Um, And I was just like... I started getting into stand-up comedy again and i was like i haven't enjoyed jokes for such a long time right. because i was offended all of the time and then i was thinking what is all of the cool shit that i have left behind or not considered yeah. because i thought it was i was not not aligned with my interests i it was right after i got into uh, s craig zahler and i made a list of quote-unquote reactionary movies and among those was dirty harry and grant arena I remember Gran Torino was much maligned as like the racist movie when it came out, or at least in Canada it was. I don't know if that was universal. Well, it used the big
2: C. Stop Asian hate.
0: Exactly. So Clint Eastwood was letting him fly in that movie. (laughs) And uh, but I found that when I actually watched it, it was kind of touching. Like it was also criticized for a white savior narrative or whatever, but I found it emotionally impacting um, and maybe this was because I was on my way out of that scene, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, when they're reading his will at the end of that movie, uh, when it's like the most, the most emotionally wrought scene is when they drop the line about the big gay spoiler, not to, maybe we should have done a big gay spoiler alert, but when I was cackling during the most emotional scene of that movie, I was like, okay, we're on to something. And then I went back and did some of the back catalog.
1: Yeah. You, you're taught. That Clint Eastwood movies have no depth and it's just like a guy they're like they're like Steve McQueen walking around a city, which is also sick, but like walking around a city just kind of driving around but no he's a full fledged filmmaker like it's it's all there. He doesn't have David Lynch type movies he does. He's never going to be in that conversation. However, again, he was every single year on time under budget and good like he has well, a few businesses but it's kind of like, like
2: how leo like he's involved in like every single he's like there are stars where you just are an executive producer because like my brand is too like valuable and important like uh clint eastwood is like an absolute like genius like filmmaker storyteller like whatever you want to call him uh and he's just been doing it his entire life he like what you were saying earlier he has eras like he's like bowie he like mm-hmm. redefines himself like every 10 years it's incredible
1: right and and also he's one of those guys again like people if you the more you get into serious film guy twitter you can always tell when somebody's at there i can only watch art movies stage because they haven't they haven't passed the art movie phase to actually fucking badass action movies are actually the best movies of all time you know like because that's it's a mid it's a very midwit meme like the bell curve meme like where it's like the drooling low iq guys like uh explosions and fucking girls yeah, yeah, it's dudes rock, and then the Midway guy's like, "No, it has to have, you know, it has to have an aesthetic and uh, all these things, you know, all these Mohan drives, not gay like enough." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's then you get back to the dudes rock, you know that that's where you're at, and and you, I even heard Anakashian talking about she was going through a Clint Eastwood face, so now that's gonna blow up. That you guys are getting in at a good time. Uh, uh it made me want to speed up the process of talking about Clint Eastwood because once Red Scare gets a hold of something,
2: off to the races. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, it's not their fault, but man, they they got subreddits and stuff, and it's it can get rough. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. The yeah, I of mean, girls and gays and Dime Square and cleaning.
1: It's not. It's yeah, It's just not for women. They can watch. No, it's, not. it's like how, the way sports isn't for women. They can be involved. I'm just saying. There's. It's just not for them. The minute we start making it for them is when it suffers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into High Plains Drifter, which I think is. Uh, it starts off as. That one's yeah. for. women.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt.
0: Um, quite possibly the well the first half at least is the dude's rockingest movie of all time i think
1: base shit ever yeah,
0: it's <laughs> i was telling monty earlier it's that or a boy and his dog which is yeah uh, which are like the, that's one a and one b Han johnson it's
1: mean, what dude can you, you just i mean that's amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but also, I mean, there's there are like themes in that movie. Anyway, we'll get into it. All right, one more
1: thing. My actual first ever encounter with Clint Eastwood, probably. Now that I think about it, the Gorillas song. Oh, true. Oh, oh yeah. right. I, I think that album came out probably when I was in like fifth or fifth grade. I remember a very Tony Hawk pro skater era of my life, kind of. Um, and I and and just. You, they don't say his name in the song but the song when you hear it because that song was everywhere still, still an absolute slapper um, but then you're like Clint Eastwood like that's crazy you know what yeah. I mean and then everyone your parents are like you don't know who that is and then it starts a conversation yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah Clint time for him is nothing because he's counting no age
1: Del the funky Homo Sapien another Bay Area legend
0: Yeah. wow it all comes, it all comes full circle yep so I do want yeah. to talk a little bit about Clint the man before we get into his movies and his his works so my assessment of clint and you know the the limited span of his filmography that i've been able to take in is he's kind of like the james dean of guys who are not bisexual correct
1: absolutely correct
0: he's he's kind of unabashedly masculine and i know that you uh on rare candy have been talking a lot about dudes and their delusions of grandeur so mm. um what do you think that that Clint kind of speaks to that, he speaks truth to power in this way. And I would like you to talk to that a little bit.
1: Right, here's an example. He's coming up during the time of those guys, the Brandos, the Deans and stuff. Like I think Clint Eastwood is a very handsome man, like in, especially in his prime. However, like the studios didn't like, they kind of saw him as kind of this brutish kind of guy. And he, back then you had TV stars and movie stars. There wasn't a lot of crossover. he was on a show called Rawhide, which was very mm-hmm. like, Dun, 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 dun. like you know grandpa like you know bonanza type shit and it was very successful but it's like he was on this like insane contract for like 12 years like you don't do anything else except this unless the studio t- makes you do like a christmas special or something and a lot of guys ride that out and go man whatever i'm just gonna do this for the rest of my life get my nice little house in la and stuff and he, he's a, time... yeah,
2: well, a career yeah it's a great career
1: nothing wrong with that unless you're delusional Mm-hmm. and he uh he definitely was like no i'm better than all these guys so he offered to direct a commercial for rawhide kind of a promo kind of a tonight at six uh, on rawhide like he he would he directed it so i don't who knows if it came out good or not he was just like okay now i'm starting to like realize i, I want to be in control i want to do this oh, um gosh yeah got the itch he ends up going to you know italy and stuff doing all those those uh westerns and he's just building up building up building up and just the idea that um he didn't want to deal with the studio system just minimally just minimally deal with the studio system so he starts this company called malpaso which he still literally has a movie coming out in 2024 under malpaso uh juror number two it's amazing i mean the guy looks like he looks like uh, uh, something left on the 711 uh rollers too long like it's it's like it's amazing i mean he still looks good he's walking around and talking i'm just saying he's just like but he's got a movie coming out and it's like as somebody who maybe started a show and for a while if we were just looking at the numbers of who was listening for years we would have quit cuz if you if you were just being realistic about it Okay, well, there's a couple hundred people. Uh, is, that, is that a real person that actually listened, or was that a
2: SoundCloud robot? Okay, uh, yeah, you talk about the business of this sometimes, where it's like, uh, especially like, like yeah. internet randos, like me have, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so he should have. He should have in his life. He's like, I'm a Western actor. There's probably gonna be yeah. another cowboy show that comes out that I can hop on after this. Um, after this goes on, I can do that. But no, he was like, no, I want to be the next great filmmaker. I want to be the next actor. Fuck James Dean. Fuck Marlon Brando. I'm better than those guys, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that he is than both of them yes brando too um and hell yeah i'm delusional about clint so think about how he is
0: yeah i mean in his favor he did not die or go insane and get fat
1: so i mean fix on that for later about how he stayed alive for so long he's got some really cool shit
0: yeah he's on the Rishi. you think
1: no he's not <laughs> he, he would hate me that's the problem like mm-hmm. i feel like he'd meet me and be like what the fuck is this guy like this guy's my biggest fan like yeah,
0: but yeah, i would have killed this guy in dirty harry I,
1: literally yeah. i would be like or like charles bronson with like shooting me in death wish like when i'm breaking into the house or something but no he uh but yeah we'll, we'll get to that later um,
0: yeah you're not making it past the cold open i think for a lot of that <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, no 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 yeah not at all
0: yeah um, but i mean i think it's it really speaks to how determined he was because it was really just like The man with no name movies fistful of dollars 64 a few dollars more 65 and then good bad and the ugly is 66 and by 71 he was directing and co-writing i think he did like some of the some of the work on the screenplay for play misty and that was his debut which was also astonishing that for his first like real project he was like yeah i'll star and i'll write the screenplay and i'll direct it also
1: it's amazing i mean play i mean do we want to jump into play misty right now because it's it's pretty good or you want to talk more about clint
0: yeah let's go we we can we can always circle
1: back uh, yeah we'll hop around we'll play a little jazz big clint eastwood big jazz guy so we'll mm. hop around like jazz musician um the yeah i mean play misty for me i mean that's he's coming off so at this time he's typecast as a cowboy typecast as a cowboy he even does a movie I, I if you guys have it pulled up in front of me what year was the beguiled uh, the, the, is it his actor? It should be under his acting roles. He didn't direct that, it's a great movie, but um, he's like a civil war kind of weird. It's like a Jesus allegory, very, very strange, but eerie, but amazing.
0: That's uh, 71 right before yeah. Play Mystic, right.
1: Okay, so right then at that point, you're either a civil war guy, period peace guy, Western, and he again, another thing where he could have stayed in that genre forever, probably, and had a very, very nice long uh career doing that but then you know play Misty for me he falls in love with Carmel the reason he fell in love with Carmel is that's in central california kind of central coast so he i believe he was born in san francisco or oakland uh one of the two and then had family in la so he was constantly going back and forth he weren't flying back in the 30s or 40s mm-hmm. whenever he was doing that so he was driving past this beautiful beautiful like Jackie Treehorn style like Lebowski community times 10 amazing and so I think he really wanted to focus and hunker down there and just be like, "I got to do like my my Carmel movie there." And that's what Play Misty for Me is. It's very Carmel is is honestly like a lead leading actor in the movie. Like it's just it's it's such a scenic, beautiful vibe fest. Um, Big Mac. I, I mean, those love-
2: cliffs are yeah. they're, they're, It's half the movie.
1: The song, everything's great. You know, everything's everything's good. I'm I'm even warming up to the song. I used to not like the song when I was a kid. Now I like it. You know. So what do you think, Big Mac? I mean, I feel like this is a movie. This is like a year substack movie, basically, like kind of a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that was definitely on my mind as I was watching it. But I think honestly, with Jessica Lang, I would be immune to her in this movie. Jessica Walter. Jessica Walter. Sorry. What did Arrested I say? Valorant, not American. Yes, Horse. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jessica Walter. Uh, I've been fooled by that haircut before. I think I would see her coming a mile away.
1: She's incredible in that movie. And just when she's, when she's moved in with just the paper bag full of groceries and he's got the fridge just full of 9,000 beers only <laughs> as that. The yeah. I mean, come on. It's just like, it's just so good. It's so comically man, you know, the movie, like it's just his, his black, but Clint or what, what's his, I don't even remember what Clint Eastwood's name is in the movie, but like, it's just like, he's always like, man, getting too much pussy over there, man. You know, don't do that, man. Cause yeah, you've, a, Yeah, he's Dave. Yeah, he's a DJ. He's a radio DJ. I did that for a while. Not a lucrative career that would get you beachfront property on 17 Mile Drive in Carmel, one of the most beautiful neighborhoods in America. But it is a pure male fantasy movie that has terror. It's Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Basically, it it
2: stole everything from that
1: to it. And I love both movies are fantastic. But yeah, it's Mm. just it's it's uh, it's so good. (laughs) Michael
2: Douglas Killing Women's my favorite genre of movie. Yeah.
1: It's good. They're yeah. They got the similar style to them. Michael Douglas is a little more animated, but they have that cold, chilling look to them. I mean, when she when she attempts suicide, it's like actually genuinely shocking. Like the suicide scene, you're like, whoa.
2: Oh no, it, play Mystic for me is genuinely shocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Um,
0: so yeah, this one definitely starts the major catalyst for the plot is definitely Clint Clint Eastwood's Dicker is flying a little too close to the sun. And he's like he's got this this woman that he's pursuing, but then he meets a fan at a bar and doesn't doesn't go super well for him. Um so I I mean, this is really uh, an illustration of the hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned. like it's the adaptation of that idiom. Um, I know Glenn, you've talked recently on uh, on the rare candy podcast about. Women being horny being much different from men being horny. I believe that you said that uh women get horny like a spider gets hungry. Yeah. And that it's yeah. brutal and it's immediate and it's hard to watch. Um yeah. so what yeah, Dr. Rockney explained.
2: Can't
1: say no either. Like you know, I don't yeah, that one, yeah. Can't do that one. Can't opt out of that one, you know. Like uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I already put my sweats on. Yeah, you can't do that one. And uh so no, it's it it's it's very true. I mean, when they when they get they don't have the they they're not at just a level 10 full throttle like we are all the time don't wake up torque but and then theirs is it's like it's in tune with like space and the galaxy at the same time too where ours is just like that's us you know like theirs has all sorts of all sorts of weird astrological uh elements to it um depends on where mercury is i'm told um uh and the moon that's what they
0: say that that's might a- be like that might be like the blue balls for men it's just like yeah. oh it'll, yeah. it'll hurt if i don't
1: yeah mercury retard grade <laughs> that's always <laughs> but you know whatever that there it's like that jessica walter is phenomenal in it and i do love the uh clint's already had it up to here with the hippies with his yeah. girlfriend and her her like classically gay sailor friend um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like uh, he, Martin, I guess he doesn't like the navy. I forget what he says. He says this like really like like kind of like old school homophobic thing to the guy. Like he's like, Don't you have some like sailors to blow or something? He says some like weird thing at the at that like odd like metal like chime shop that she would they all have these fake businesses that are very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and yeah, Donna Mills, who was a, a soap star uh uh for a lot longer. I think she was on Dallas and Knott's Landing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. She was uh she she's uh she's got the weird David Bowie haircut in that and uh but he's had it up to here because she's just this like kind of like lesbian like kind of just free love woman and he kind of wants to not be tied down to her but in a not a hippie way but just in like a guy way um it's uh the male psyche is at play um it's it's on it's on display there and the male's view of the female psyche is on play. Um, It's not just like because if a woman wrote it, there'd be we'd get Jessica Wal- Walters backstory. We'd get all sorts of stuff. It's like, actually, no, she's just a an speech insane.
2: would deliver the day.
1: Yeah, she's just she's just this thing that you like, you know, invited in. And unfortunately, it happened, you know, and, and she was his biggest fan on the radio calling in asking him to play Misty for her.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that. It it is really funny that Clint's biggest gripe with this woman is that she has roommates, which I do understand yeah. as, yeah, as a, a man who has dated women with roommates. Yeah. But I, I would say that probably not the deal breaker that it is in this movie, but I want to come back to you saying that it is kind of a male power fantasy because I've got, uh, and this may be upsetting to some listeners, but I do have a Letterbox review pulled up the top rated Letterbox review for play Misty for me. It says, or the, the first of uh, six stanzas of this review says, I always feel like these types of movies are more a male fantasy than cautionary tale. A woman so crazed by your penis, you have to put her screaming, possibly naked, into a cab while she screams and pleads and tries to jump out of the cab and back onto your penis. Women just can't get enough. So Glenn, was that your... I mean, in a, maybe a less hysteric fashion. Was that your read of this movie as well?
1: I'm not wrong. I just, and it's also good because of that. Um, yeah. not, it's not a, like, oh, I mean, how many stars did they give it? Cause a one star, like good for not being original, which it actually is original three. star. Okay. So I mean, Hey, you know, again, that's, that, that's fair. I mean, I would hope that's a woman that wrote that. If it was a guy that wrote that, you, uh, don't you guys in Canada have that like weird program that they can-
0: <laughs> yeah, he'd have to
2: made himself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, like yeah. just
2: give it two years they'll come out as trans it's, it's a yeah, okay. problem itself. These days yeah, if you're it. a man that
1: writes that like it's jover yeah it is oh. just, <laughs> yeah. it's never been more over <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: here would be <laughs> Justin Trudeau. i think
2: yeah,
1: yeah. yes exactly but you no know, it's it, it's true it's you know i would gain a fiction we did mickey spillane it was it's exactly what it is nobody's saying it's a realistic story however there's elements of it that are extremely realistic
0: well but, <laughs> My interpretation of the material was maybe a little different. I, I have had a female stalker before, and I would say that this was, this was like a slasher movie to me. This was like Michael yeah. Myers. This is some Halloween Very. shit. So uh, when at that scene near the end, when she's she calls him on the payphone and she's looking mm-hmm. straight into the camera, I was that was chilling to me because I have had the. I've had the woman scorned in my life. And it it really is like a spider eating. And when you deny that spider
2: lightning bolt. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. When you deny oh. that spider its meal, they do not like it very yeah.
1: much. I know. It's like she just goes underneath a trapdoor rock in a desert somewhere after you're done with her. Like she doesn't she she doesn't actually have a house or anything. It's it's uh no, that's I look, I've been not had anything close to that. Thank thank the Lord. Um, and don't plan on it, but it's uh I just mean in a sense like look you you're okay does every guy have this like chokehold over women you know what I mean no it doesn't but there is this idea that like just in the same way like you'll see like women post this thing like there's a new human trafficking thing going on and they're leaving empty things of candy on cars of women that they're going to abduct and it's like the whole time the undertone is that I'm sexy enough to get abducted by yeah trafficking thing they they they, it's not they might genuinely be scared but they have to let you know that they're being targeted for the human trafficking thing Mm -hmm. so it's like there's always that element of it with where it's like clint eastwood is kind of like yeah my shit is on point like whoever i even speak to at the sardine uh bar whatever that thing is i forget what the the, the name of the place is but it, it was a real bar and uh um you know whoever and he has his little game that he plays, the bartender sets is in on with that. I mean, it's all all of that. Having the local bar Being the talk of the town, and then having ravenous spider arachnid women running after you. I mean, how? I mean, what's better?
0: All I'm hearing is that I'm the Clint Eastwood of the North. That's I, all I picked up from of that. The, of exactly. the great,
1: of the great white north, man. I mean, it's it's. I, DJ, Clint Maplewood. Yeah, Clint Maplewood. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Andrew Wiggins was Maple Jordan. I mean, I think there's a lot of Maple, uh, ma- Maple uh, works there. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think I think you are.
0: All right, I'll change my Twitter handle once we get out of here. So you talked about Clint being a real jazz guy, and there's a real element of that in play Misty for me. Yeah. Like obviously Misty is an Arrow Garner song, big Arrow Garner hit. Um, and then there's also like Cannonball Adderley and his band play and like the live show. Um, Monterey Jazz movie. Festival. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what what's what's Clint's thing with jazz? You seem to I know you read his book. So is this something that comes up often for him?
1: Yeah, he, yeah I think as he got famous, he learned to play like piano and I think a little trombone or something. Mm-hmm. And-
0: I know that he's got soundtrack credits for other mm-hmm. movies. Like I know Gran Torino, he sings the end credit song. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. He tried to fail attempt at a musical. Uh, one time he was like as an actor not great it was like one of those like Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals too but it was a complete bomb Um, I don't know that he's much of a singer I don't think I've ever heard it don't really want to I don't want to view him like that I just it's just not he
2: comes from that generation where they think yeah they still think you need to be a triple threat
1: yeah well it was you know it's like that studio thing it's like now we yeah exactly we need to put you like you know how they, they said like Anthony Perkins shouldn't do West Side Story because he's supposed to be the next masculine hit it's like no Anthony Perkins is the gayest guy of all time. Um, actually. That's, <laughs> that's what he should do West Side story. Uh but, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So no, right. They're, you know, error in the studio system as usual. But no, he did uh, he he's always been obsessed with jazz. I believe he did a um a jazz movie with Forrest Whitaker. I forget who he's playing, but um he was he he uh directed the movie um I'm it's escaping me completely right now of who the very famous jazz musician but he directed one and it's really um so, solid yeah it's a solid movie he's always Heard loved it
2: from 88
1: Yes a Charlie Parker movie I think is what it is I think it's the Charlie Parker. Um, yeah, Charlie Parker um yeah yeah Charlie Parker and um it's pretty good it's just always it's always come up in you know, like I think in certain movies you'll hear him like having a jazz record on in the background even if that's not what you think and you think he's gonna be into like country western and stuff like that but i don't think he is i really well don't.
2: it's uh he gets pigeonholed as the fucking yellowstone guy yeah, I, yeah. like it's uh but he's not that monolith yeah
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, he's a ja- and and that Monterey Jazz Festival is a huge festival. It still goes on to this day. I, it's so out of place, but I love it. The footage of it, that grainy, weird, like kind of like raw footage of the jazz festival, re- and and the whole concept of it is so strange. There, play Misty for me. He got experimental because I don't think he knew what he was as a director yet. Where it's like him like making out with Donna Mills in the waterfall, like yeah, or, like what is that? You never saw that in any of his other movies. After that. No, well, it's it, like a
0: weirdly beautiful love I scene love in the middle of this yeah. movie. And like the Roberta Flack song underneath, like I put that on a mixtape before, you know, like oh. it's it's delightful. It's completely out of place in the kind of movie that this is for the rest of the
2: time. Yeah, it totally like does it's, work, but it's, it's crazy because like the, like uh, every artist, like music, uh, like movies, uh, like anything, uh, like your debut you come out swinging with like the most like you shit possible. Uh-huh. And like I, I straight up think that the big impetus uh, for this was that uh, he wanted to he wanted to make a movie just so he could punch a woman in the face and her fall off a cliff.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: This is so like I, I think the play of Misty for him is like such a great like encapsulation of like who Clint the guy is
1: yeah and he's a stick man i mean he he goes around i mean he he has been married a million times and he's had little relationships in between it never seems to quite work out uh with the wife he married like uh when he was a carmel politician he married a woman um she was in one of his movies called Blood Type or Bloodline, Blood Work, Blood Work. Um, not not the best movie, uh, but it's it's fine if you just put it on with like your family or something. And uh, but he married one of the women that's in there. She's a news reporter and she actually was a news reporter for the city of Carmel um, when he was mayor of Carmel. Um, he had met her and pursued her and they, she did like sit down interviews with him and he kind of played the slow game with her she kind of tried to capitalize on being clint eastwood's wife i think she genuinely loved him but she he has a reality show you can look it up on youtube there was a reality show called the eastwoods with all his daughters and um and the wife he is miserable the entire time during it never wants to be a part of it obviously and divorced her shortly after so you be you see why it happened like he was he's in charge you marry clint eastwood you're you're clint eastwood's wife it's you're signing up to be a part. Like he doesn't even let his actors do it. Like say anything in the movies. Like he, he doesn't let his actors have any say he's a one take guy. He's got the clock running the whole time. And, um, he used to have a spreadsheet of like a pussy spreadsheet, like, <laughs> kind of just like, like pros and cons. And he, tends to deny it now but i think it was him and another celebrity actor kind of like used to play hey like you see my spreadsheet like of, of the proto
2: pussy posse
1: yeah exactly it's like you know advanced analytics and stuff like that like just on there he, he was just he was just that type of guy it's everything it's all the stuff you would make up about him actually is true about him that's why like he's a man
2: him. of all seasons you know mm-hmm. he's just like one of these classic guys and, and your like...
1: first movie your directorial debut is going to be like the man who got too much you know <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm actually I looked up this reality show and even worse than the Eastwoods. It's called Mrs. Eastwood and Company.
1: Yeah, it's not Ooh. about him. It's like, no. she thought, yeah, my wife watched it. She said it was entertaining because you would in the corner. Norm McDonald does a really funny um, uh, skit on it where he's Clint Eastwood. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. funny.
0: And
2: he's
1: like, like his daughter's like literally like getting groped at the table, like in front of him and stuff. And I was like, ah, like, <laughs> it's
2: just it's, so the scowl.
1: Yeah, it's really funny.
0: Clint Eastwood's wife manages a six person acapella group, Overtone, uh, who also live with the Eastwoods in their Carmel by the Sea California
2: mansion. Oh, my God. He was living so, in hell.
0: Yeah, they put this man in a cage and then made him listen to acapella.
2: No wonder he's always working. But he's
1: never lost a battle. He's never lost a war. He's lost battles, but he's never lost a war. Um, she threw her ass out on the streets. Like I'll, yeah. like, I'll, I'll die single. I got like ninety kids. I don't care. Alamona
2: means nothing to me, whore. At all.
1: <laughs> and he, no, he would fight that tooth and nail. Like he was, even like in and out of the courtrooms all the time. He was, he was a savage man.
0: Just in a Mexican standoff with his wife's lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Exactly. So talking about Clint's reticence to kind of the non-cinematic spotlight, the Twitter accounts for the official Clint Eastwood Twitter accounts. Can you speak to that a
2: little bit, Glenn?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't. The, the handles, there's like underscores. There's wars between the two. They watermark all the photos.
2: The hardest watermarks of all time. Yeah, It's like amazing. 80% of the pictures.
1: Yeah, and he has amazing candid shots where it's like literally like, I'm like dude like i've been to that whole foods that you're at like what the fuck are you just there all the time and he's just like buying potatoes and he's just got like a bag of potatoes and he just looks like uh prince charles in the car like dehydrating <laughs> like, like like beef jerky clint eastwood and in this car and like or he'll be like just having a beer with zach snyder you know or like um who's like zach snyder worships the ground clint eastwood walks on um they're both kind of like pseudo based and red pilled guys, I guess. And uh, Hollywood bad boys, but yeah, they will, they will like argue those accounts will argue like, no bro. Like I talked to Clint, like I got the line to the Eastwood thing. Like you are not the official account. I think when Elon took over and the blue checks meant something different, it was a very weird, uh, transitory period. I like both accounts. I say the more content, the better. I don't care. Uh, Mm Uh, I like diversity of options of my Clint Eastwood fan accounts. There he does have the best fan account of a non like diva on um of uh, on Twitter, I think.
0: Man, Clint Eastwood's Dan Twitter would go so hard though.
2: I'll run it. My-
0: <laughs> Let's go.
2: I know. So- Just how bloody the gifts that they would go and reply to each other with would be.
1: Oh, yeah, no, It's, oh. it's great. and the politics, too, because you get like libtards who will be like, actually, what Clint was saying in the movie is, you know, and would, um, you,
2: cowboys are communists.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like he was actually seizing the means of production and tightrope or what. I don't know.
0: So you haven't taken a side in the in the war here between accounts?
1: No, there's one with an underscore that I like that. I think it's an underscore at the end. That one's been the that's the one that gets like put on my timeline the most. I follow it and I like, kind of think they should follow back like what, who who else is like I know. Why, it nothing. Is mentioning him as much you know who else is mentioning him as much I mean maybe people are I'm sure there are Tarantino talks about him a lot but other than that like I think I've got to be in the top five of people that just talk about him in in good you know with good I, I've never said a bad thing about him I love the guy
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think how we settle it is we get them to draw a line in the dirt and then 10 paces and then turn around and shoot yeah mm-hmm. 100%, 100% yeah high noon style Okay, so we can talk about High Plane Drifter. I just finished this this afternoon, and I, I watched it in two parts. I, I broke it. There was an intermission of about 24 hours where I had to do my physics homework. Wow. Um, and the first hour or so, I would say, is the dude's rockiest movie of all time. That's like Clint, Clint Eastwood blows into great. this town. He blows into this town and rapes a lady, but then she thinks it's awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, and she has a I, fucked up attitude until it happens, and then she's like cool afterwards. So like,
2: yeah. what, what's crazy about both of these movies is that his only crime is like not cuddling afterwards. Yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> Dragging her in on the pile of hay at, while she's just being hysterical and then just going to town. It's and it's like it's shocking because like you you think you're when you watch Clint Eastwood, like you're kind of like you think there's a it's I kind of like when I read Michael Crichton books, like you kind of think that you've, you've seen the threshold of like how mm-hmm. crazy it can get. But then like Crichton will be like a guy's holding his own guts in his hand and like can you know feel and you're like oh shit like Jurassic Park like I didn't know that was going to happen and then like with Clint you're like there's parts in like there's a part in Magnum Force uh, the second Dirty Harry which I I love and not a lot of people do but like where a guy pours like Drano down a hooker's throat like inside Mm -hmm. a taxi cab like it's really fucking weird he doesn't do it but it's like this pimp and he was like bitch get over here and he like fucking pours like Drano. Your mouth. it's amazing
0: that's like some bread easton ellis like habitrail tube shit
1: yeah dude it's the, it's like whoa <laughs> like where did this go yeah it's uh high plains drifter is that and it's very paranormal oh yeah like it's, mm. it's like the only time i can think of that for a clint eastwood movie because you don't know why he's doing any of this until the end and even then the end is a little open-ended like you can be interpreted in a couple different ways yeah. um But yeah, the first hour of the movie is just like you guys fucked up. There's a tasteful midget in there. Very tasteful
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mordecai. Well, it's Um, it's so much fun. They go on a pretty woman shopping spree, but for dudes. Yeah. He's just like buying the everyone rounds the shots, buying guns. Uh like he's he gives away Mexican blankets to to the Mexicans and candy.
1: Yeah, the shitty, the shitty like bureaucrat, like railroad guys that are like, What
2: are we gonna do? I I just which uh, our whole
1: town's going to hell like that, and you know you can tell it's just like a lame ass town to begin with. It looks fake. The town looks completely fake, like a fallout complete soundstage. They're testing a t- nuclear equipment in there. Uh, it's I love every every that it's in the way that the tenant is not the best Polanski movie, but it's the one I think about the most. I would say that's that's where I have High Plains Drifter. When you uh, when I think about a Clint Eastwood movie, I will be like I'll never. I'll never say with my chest it's the best clint eastwood movie but i it's just like you see him there and you're like this is so crazy <laughs>
0: like this mm-hmm.
1: is the craziest shit. yeah
0: absolutely i mean he he really i think plays with the expectation of that a little bit because the first hours you know he comes in he rapes the lady the lady loves it and then she comes back and she tries to assassinate him because he didn't cuddle at the end yeah. and then He like absolutely destroys these guys who come to cause trouble when he's trying to get a shave. And the town hires him as their protector, basically, because the bad guys are coming back. And there's this whole like montage, like Monty said, they're they're doing the pretty woman shopping spree. He's like training them to shoot. And then there's there's a big vibe shift in the in the middle half of the movie where it does take on a little bit of a a more a darker tone. And yeah. but that entire first hour I was just thinking it was like a Louis L'Amour book where the one <laughs> comes in and saves the day you know <laughs> oh, he's man. like builds a militia to to
2: defend this town. Yeah when they start shooting the guns that's when the vibe shift happens when they're all bad at it.
1: Yeah and there's that really it's kind of unsettling that like yeah when when they're training the guys to shoot at like the wagon it's like kind of unsettling and strange and the the camera work is very erratic and I yeah, that's you're right. That's when it shifts. It shifts into this very, very strange thing with the fake meal planned for everybody. It's like, what is that? Like, there's no westerns like this. Like, I, I, at least I'm not the expert on westerns, but I hadn't seen anything like that.
0: Well, Clint Eastwood was triggered by the OSHA violation when there was absolutely no protection <laughs> for these guys riding around in the wagon. He was just like, I don't like this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and he's not really big into government agencies <laughs> and policing kind of guy. I don't think he loves OSHA as a whole, but I think he, if he has the opportunity to be OSHA, he'll do it mm-hmm. right, I like for that sure. I mean.
0: So, and that's about the time that the the supernatural element, because I think there's there's like a line that mm-hmm. gets crossed eventually in this movie where it's it's beyond the invincible cowboy. It's beyond him like dipping into the the bathtub and dodging bullets. It's like you start to find out that the townspeople aren't everything that they kind of seemed. In the yeah. beginning, It actually, reminds me—I don't know, Glenn, if you've seen the movie *Dogville*, but Monty and I mm-hmm. were talking about this before. The Lars one Trier. Oh,
1: movie. you know what? I haven't, and I need to.
0: So, not—I won't spoil that one for you because I know that uh, I really enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to you pretty highly. Yep. But in the first bit of that movie, the townspeople are all, you know, very nice. They seem—they seem, yeah. uh, they seem well, like the, the protagonists. Good to Christian the movie.
2: folk. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and they take in this this newcomer, and then about halfway through the movie, it switches, and they are not at all what they seem. And then the the newcomer kind of seeks retribution for any any crimes that have been inflicted upon them. And I think that's the same kind of arc that this movie takes uh, because you kind of find out that the townspeople in this movie arranged the death of a U.S. marshal that had been investigating the mine uh, in this town. That it, I guess is the, the basis of the livelihood for this little village, but they, they end up having a marshal killed.
2: Yeah, and he has this uh, the 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 dream when he gets his hotel room of of the of the killing with like the really this like gruesome whips, um, yeah,
1: whipping the guy to death.
2: Yeah, He's like insane. in the thoroughfare with like onlookers. Yeah,
1: fucking crazy. Yeah, I love his. Ho- he has really good in all of his movies. Like again, I highly recommend the Beguiled. It's not a directed by Clint Eastwood, but it's it's. Uh, do not do not mistakenly watch the Sofia Coppola remake of Beguiled. It's, <laughs> It's exactly what you think it is. And uh It's not for girls. Um yeah, it's not it's not she tried to make it for girls with Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell didn't didn't work, but the it's in the same he has these insane like kind of like horror house like house full of women scenes where he just like restores order to them in like a very <laughs> like yeah in a very but in this one it's almost like he's like richie rich like shopping spree like kind of thing and like high plains drifter where he's just like he actually doesn't really care he just wants to like cause chaos the whole time and it's very very uh it's very weird to see him like that actually
0: Mm -hmm. and then in the middle it switches and he's like an angel of vengeance almost like he really just impervious to bullets like at one point he's messing with the main antagonists or whatever of the movie and they can't even see him he gets the he gets the town folk to paint the town, literally paint the town red yeah. and then changes the name of the town on the sign to hell because comes out or it's it's suggested at least that Clint Eastwood's character is kind of the vengeful ghost of the U.S. Marshal that was killed. Um, I think it's a good so movie he, to
1: watch if you have the flu or something like, it'd yeah. be like really kind of when you're like in that weird like like especially like when, like when I had COVID, it was kind of like. That first day was just this really strange like reprogramming of my system and I like if I watch, that's kind of what that movie feels like to me. It feels like a fever dream um, and yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, and what I thought was, I mean, at the end when did this movie come out? Like 74 but the last mm-hmm. 20 minutes or so is kind of like a slasher movie when he's up on the roof yeah. with the whip pulling guys out by their necks. I mean, this was before like Halloween or anything like that and he turns into Michael Myers yeah, and also,
2: like, the town's literally red, so it has that like red glow to it. Like, th- did he invent the slasher genre?
1: Yeah, it's, 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 you'd have to, you'd have to wonder. I mean, you, what was Black Christmas came out right around the same time, right? Canadian mm. classic. Yeah. Um, the, the that, that must have come around around the, the right time, but yeah, he does. It's, it's very strange. If you know Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry, as the man with no name. Or any of his other iconic characters, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll take a second to kind of be like, wait, what? Because he he's not a guy. He doesn't like like go mad in like a scene where he's like rocking by himself in a room going mad. Like that doesn't happen. You don't see the transition happen. It straight up just happens. And um and but it's it's cool, man. He's it, just all testosterone. It's all forms of testosterone, is what you get out of Clint Eastwood. The good and the bad and the ugly.
0: Yeah. So how much how much of his catalog have you covered, Glenn? I know that you're Hover or scene uh seen.
1: Oh, uh, yeah because yeah. i to be honest we haven't uh it's side i we have to size not the movie watcher uh he's not like a guy that just sits around and watch movies like i will mm. so he just yeah. intuits yeah uh, yeah he just he'll he loves every time tell you he telling you
2: views while you're watching
1: yeah i know yeah your remote views my reaction yeah uh, yeah no but the uh so god it's tough man because uh, it's, it's like every time i name them so i i've seen all of the sergio Leone trilogy which is great uh the beguiled um high plains drifter dirty harry um magnum force uh there's another one in the late 70s directed by michael chimino which kinda isn't that good but also is very enjoyable called uh, thunderbolt and lightfoot mm-hmm. um I recommend it. It's him and Jeff Bridges. It is good. And it's actually kind of sad at the end, but uh, um, that one's good. And Clint Eastwood was just having sex a lot in the movie. Um, like actual sex. It's kind of strange. Um, it's another thing where it's like really weird to see him like kind of like turned on by a woman or something. It's like very, very strange, but isn't there
2: like a threesome in the mule? Yeah. He, he has like weird, yeah. like sexual hangups. Yeah. It was like a bucket list thing. I feel like where he's like, yeah. hey, this could happen well, so this is actually something that I wanted to talk about. Cause uh, Clint Eastwood's style and I this kind of goes hand in hand with your whole like grand delusion thing is that he's he's very much an artist who has his cake and eats it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, his characters are like stretched all the way to each end, don't break. Like they are, you know, like uh, like you could say Mary Sue's, but um, but there's just too much soul there to call it that. And uh, I guess like uh, if you could just speak on the, the the grandiosity of his characters.
1: Oh yeah, it's almost like he's like Don Draper at the easel, and he's like yeah a new character and everyone's like okay and uh it's just you know it's a guy who shows limited emotion and has lots of sex and women love him and he kills a bunch of people cool you know
2: his business card just says the man
1: yeah um no I, i i i love it it's just again he was at war with the studio system he wanted to make what he wanted to make he You notice in a lot of his movies, especially after after Dirty Harry, like he doesn't have the biggest casts like he doesn't have like these a lot of these names. And that's not because he couldn't get those people. But working with those people, there was not a chain of command when he would bring in, say he would bring in a bigger actor. Right. Like that would have to be on like another director's movie like Michael Cimino with him and Jeff Bridges. Uh, But for the most part, it's like, no, there needed to be the movie needed to be centered around him. Uh, directed by him Um and he would get a lot of people like up and coming kind of like up and coming like his wife Sandra Locke who would uh that was definitely his most eventful uh, the kind of marriage they had kind of like a hippie like like kind of commune thing that they did which was very strange not doesn't seem very typical of him but you know he he was just it was just the movies were about him and like I love it in like this Orson Welles kind of way where it's just like you kind of just like Orson Welles getting his stuff subs getting his stage plays like subsidized but then just throwing his own money in there instead because he was scared to take like other people's money to make his plays and I just Clint has that same thing to me but um and then of course just the end product being a reflection of that mentality um in almost everything that he did
0: mm-hmm. I think something that he did that's also been very cool is that he's kept that kind of Clint Eastwood ethos like that that mm-hmm. uh, energy for his characters well into his late age but in different ways like in Grand Torino or A Million Dollar Baby obviously he's much different than he was in A Few Dollars More but then compare that to like Sylvester Stallone who's still doing Expendables movies like yeah. another action star that just hasn't been able to give up the ghost or whatever
1: yeah and you know like he would try to work with like bigger actors like he had kind of a falling out with Leo you know like uh, Leo DiCaprio her, I, I, um,
2: I can hope. see them having big issues. Oh Clint
1: Eastwood was a one take guy he straight up would say, like, he's like, I would, and a lot of actors actually like the one take that you hear the opposite about Stanley Kubrick, right? Like, where it's like, we don't want to do 97 takes of this scene. And Stanley Kubrick's like, no, come on. We're going to, or uh, David Fincher in the same way. Like, these yeah, other. Everybody
2: hates it. All yeah, the actors hate
1: it. It. But Leo is kind of like, you know, and that movie kind of stunk. So, like, you know, I, I guess it just was kind of didn't, didn't, I don't think Clint Eastwood was the right guy to make a J. Edgar Hoover movie because he's like, unironically
2: likes him so yeah but yeah like, i don't if think you have a hoover movie without the pantyhose like what are we doing yeah
1: I, yeah I know it's just like like hey man like you know you should let somebody who kind of had like a like james elroy's j edgar hoover oh much, forget it yeah yeah much better but the yeah. uh um no i i think that uh yeah he was just he, he was not tough to work with but if it wasn't a match it wasn't gonna work right mm-hmm. like, like that's the and i i feel that way A lot. It's very inspirational to me because, like, you know, we've all—that's what you were talking about—getting older, right? Like, when you're in your late twenties, you're still in have those like vestiges of like a friend group, you know, where there's like people around. You're like, I don't really like this guy, but he's always around, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. so I have to like this has to work because I will see this guy another time. Then once you hit a certain age, you're like, I actually don't ever have to see that guy ever again. I don't, and there's no nothing ever stopping me from doing that. And Clint was ready to take L's on movies. He did, especially in the '80s. Like, he had a lot of. Really stupid, like mountain climbing movies and like things like yeah, that,
2: like, like almost like Hallmark, like tier. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like he had to really kind of rebound in the nineties with like Bridges of Madison County, like like Merrill, you know, like falling in love with Meryl Streep movies and stuff. Yeah,
2: Million Dollar Baby was when he was back, though.
1: He he, Absolute Power was good, but like yeah, there wasn't a lot of there. He had to really he does have highs and lows of his career, but if you actually just go through the IMDb, there's a lot of really good stuff. You're like, man, Oh, oh, that's right. Like Tightrope rocks. If you, if you, if if, 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 I, I, it takes place in like voodoo, new Orleans, like it's so crazy. And he's like kind of a sleaze bag in that one too. Um, where he's like a detective going through like new Orleans whore houses, like, and it's very like tawdry and vampiric, like a lot of new Orleans movies kind of like, it's kind of like his angel heart kind of, kind of movie. Like it's it's pretty good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just I love I love the way that he knew exactly what he wanted and put what he wanted on the screen. And I don't think most directors think that about their movies a lot of times. I think a lot of them leave a lot of meat on the bone or try to do stuff that they knew they couldn't do. Clint was a was a realist, but he was realistic after taking control of the whole thing, <laughs> you know, like, like that his delusions where I can control every aspect of my life. And then after that, I can make the movie that I want to make realistically and make some money.
0: Yeah, he sort of does the the operational fascism thing that I know you've mm-hmm. talked about. You talked about with like Dave Portnoy with Barstool Sports. Um, and obviously the results speak for themselves. And like that comes back to the whole auteur thing that we talked about. He was like kind of an originator of that style besides someone like Kurosawa who was doing it in Japan, which yeah. was a fascist country. So they just kind of, uh, they yeah, were just doing it. Like, yeah. um, so I guess my uh, my next question was about, I feel like there's a, a pretty clear difference between Clint's early stuff, um, especially with the acting, uh, but between his early career and his late career. So I, I want to know from you, what do you get out of it what do you get out of his late career stuff I mean are you gonna be first in line to see the new movie
1: sure um, number two I'm gonna go see it yeah I mean yeah. I you gotta you gotta gotta go see the new Clint. I know. I can't lie and be like wow I'm so excited but like it's just more of a feat that it happened you know
2: mm-hmm. um so I guess my question you're catching is what auteur, you- yeah at the, the at the end of their career right like you yeah. could be there for it
1: there's not so, another Clint Eastwood. So, like, you know, you got to squeeze the most juice out of him. I mean, I that guy has yeah. no actual juice. He's very dry and scaly <laughs> now, but it's okay.
0: It's okay. He's it a catcher's mitt of a man. Yeah. So, I guess, where's the, what do you get out of his late career movies that maybe is different from the early stuff, the Westerns and that sort of thing? And I guess, where do you make that delineation between, like, is there, is there a vibe shift between that early stuff and that late shift for you?
1: Yeah. No, it's definitely after, um, like i think it's after high plains he's trying to he doesn't quite know it doesn't seem like he knows like what, what he wants to be um and then in the 80 you know in the 80s it's you know it, the 80s were seemed like kind of a tougher decade for him as as it you know as you would think and he um lost a lot of money he actually the money the the, the movie that made a lot a bunch of money was any which way but loose which is him talking to a monkey um,
0: yeah, that was big in my household growing up yeah yeah
1: it's, it's just a silly little movie you know but it made it made so much money and um, so like he did, was able to like strike it big on that one um, other movies like The Gauntlet are good but like that made money but it's like nobody was he wasn't breaking any new ground with that and I think after a while it's like as much as we love it in retrospect going back mm-hmm. through his catalog and just seeing especially now with testosterone being at, like the lowest it's ever been it's like really really cool it's like seeing like a you know endangered species or something uh and watching
2: you... these movies like does feel like a nos on my testosterone i like right. i feel uh, it
1: yeah you're just kind of like like you kind of start thinking about yourself like man didn't i cry like a month ago or something like you know like that's crazy man i'm a bitch yeah exactly and and um but like in the, you know you have the gauntlet you have tightrope and all, again all those movies are good he's also get it got his family his like daughters are in more of his movies um just like every actor does you know like eddie murphy and all that stuff you end up becoming like you know a a father making movies and uh but then in the 90s he's full-on chasing oscars and that's what he's been doing for the rest of his career um you know like i don't really care for mystic river at all i'm gonna say that right now i think the movie kind of stinks but i'm with you on that one yeah, I just it's I don't know just just boring snooze depression movie. Um, he gets really into like true crime and like true stories a lot, which I kind of like when he doesn't get into true stories. I kind of like the fake story that he made up in his head. That's way cooler. The
0: mythology of Clint Eastwood. I, yeah,
1: I, I gain a fiction. I, I like fiction. Yeah, you know, like I, I uh, Richard Jewell was good though. I liked Richard Jewell. I thought that was a very enjoyable movie. Yeah,
2: Richard Jewell's. I mean it he's he definitely like swinging for the fences in his late career. I, mm-hmm. He def- he suffers from old man disease where uh, he like has to moralize. Yeah, he's not um, even a He's like fucking greatest generation, but yeah. yeah no, got- no, exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. like the old man disease of just like yeah. all of it. Like, I mean, 1570 to Paris, Sully, the, like the mule, Richard Jewell, Cry Macho, like all of these are like, I, I understand why he has the stigma now of being this like fucking like, like Republican like right winger, whatever you want to call him but yeah, like see, it's yeah it's, be- yeah, it's because of I, his I, like, latest
1: yeah it's just why him watching dateline nbc or like charlie rose and seeing yeah. like sully sullenberger on there and i'm gonna do that you know? he's a hero Damn yeah him. just just like all that stuff um uh flags of our fathers is good i thought that was really good um i i that uh, spike lee had an issue with that um so he would always get in like weird little trouble he he had been getting in trouble with uh black people since like the 70s for like <laughs> Dirty harry when he just smokes that guy yeah uh,
0: <laughs> well, he's eating a hot dog
1: yeah i love that hot dog restaurant though I, I san francisco has nothing like that anymore but like just that diner and he goes out and like uh it just blasts that guy um you, you know you feel feeling lucky punk you know and mm-hmm. uh, uh but then also in flags of fathers i think spike lee got really spike lee had spent like 10 years being mad at clint eastwood instead of just making the movie that he was mad at clint eastwood for not mm-hmm. making uh and he went to
2: too many Knicks games
1: yes and he would just he would just be like there well, you didn't tell the story of the, the black air force guy and he's like in his head he's like kind of just said we'll just make your own movie but also he's like why would i tell the story of a black air force guy like
0: yeah. like like me you
1: know Like, like <laughs>
0: that like, might be like, the censored version of what he said in his head
1: yeah, yeah yeah exactly so you know whatever and you know to be honest like you know he did do that in like nelson mandela invictus movie like very strange Uh, matt damon in it is that that one matt damon doing the south african accent yeah not great uh but you know his later career he's very sentimental he's very he's too grounded in reality but again he's an old guy you know like you start seeing kind of a you have a different i'm sure we'll be doing the same thing you know when when we're old like and uh but yeah there's nothing like just classic clint for 20 years you got just straight up testosterone fests
0: for sure. So I feel like we're we're seeing kind of the wind down of Clint Eastwood, as sad as that might be to consider. I think that we're getting like the 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 same sort of trajectory that we saw with Cormac McCarthy in his later years. You know, he like he does the kind of Oscar bait kind of stuff and then he's he gets one more in before the finish line. So do you think that this juror number two is going to be it for Clint or do you think he's going to keep do you think he's going to keep pumping him out? Do you think he's got one left in him? Uh, movie wise,
1: I, he's gonna go till he dies. There's he's. Yeah. I don't. I think once he, if he did stop, he would die. Like if he was like, "I'm done, guys," and they'd be like, "Clint Eastwood, uh died peacefully around his family." You know,
2: William Friedkin had a project in the works. He came out of retirement and then died. No, you, exactly. you can't. He can't
1: stop now. Like, it's yeah, too, you can't stop. He, he should have. If he was gonna stop, it should have been twenty years ago, and he and he probably would be dead by now.
2: Sharks die when they stop swimming.
1: Exact man. Wow. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. <laughs> it's like polanski they're all still going like they're all still going they're all still making movies are they good uh you know whatever but the, the <laughs> I'm sure, number two it's fine and uh he but yeah he so he shacked up with a uh i actually don't think he's gonna die anytime soon i'm just gonna go ahead and say it don't uh, bet
2: against him yeah. no
1: no I, he's still upright walking he was at the pebble beach pro-am like walking around like you know carmel keeps you young too beautiful ocean air um and, also
2: like trump's still going like don't bet against any of these guys right like, right
1: and he so he got with this dietician um right after his dad passed away his dad passed away like relatively young and i um i think i want to say like his dad was probably like in the 60s or maybe maybe even younger than that had a heart attack so immediately he was like all right i'm not gonna eat as much you know high fat you know just like the boomer diet of like eating Pescatarian and and cycling, cheese. cycling, yeah. No, he boils potatoes and just eats them like popcorn. That's what they say he does around his house and just eats just nothing but like potatoes. And um, his dietitian Dean Ornish said that he will get him to one hundred and fifty. Everybody laughed because this was like the eighties, but it's like, all right, well, he's not dead yet, so it's like, yeah,
0: yeah. I think we need to get the crypto side reversing heart disease diet in on him because hey, people yeah.
2: laugh.
1: People laugh Twitter. Our sphere of Twitter is all about just eat uh, eat a lot of fucking Atkins. You know, they're just they think they do this based version of the Atkins diet that they think is like new and like thing. Have you seen anybody other than Ray Pete himself? Have you seen anybody do Ray Pete in their 70s to reverse a disease? I have not. I haven't. I'm just if it's there, it's there. I'm sure you guys have some listeners that'll be really Spurgy. My grandpa
2: my- loves Coca-Cola. If yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, old people love sugar. They eat star, yeah. star face piles of it after every meal. Like, uh, they, the old people can will never stop. But no, he like, he's drinking wine in those like pictures of him on like juror number two. Like, he's, he's still going. Um, but yeah, there was one thing we didn't talk about was, was Dirty Harry just a little bit. I have to give a shout out because it is not only a San Francisco movie, it is the San Francisco movie. Yeah.
2: The Bullet.
1: Yeah. It's very funny when you talk about when the, the, the whole like, the city's going to shit is kind of the narrative but it's like you're like
2: whoa the, the so park funny. where like the crimes happen is like one of the safest parks i've ever yeah. seen
1: it looks so beautiful dolores it looks park. so nice i think it was dolores park it was as beautiful or golden gate park one of the two but uh yeah it's based off zodiac um the zodiac killing which is like happening at the time that that mm-hmm. movie's being filmed uh the, the killer's name is scorpio so uh if that's
0: yeah
1: yeah exactly so that's happening um it's really really good it's it's at right after the easy rider it's like the reaction to like the easy rider kind of like born to be wild like those hippie commune movies it's basically those people's dads movie uh for that and Clint Eastwood's probably like 40 at the time I think or like you know late 30s early 40s whipping around
2: that magnum that's no joke like it it's been spoofed to death like it with like the joker and stuff with the really long uh, uh pistol but when he pulls that thing out and he pulls the the hammer down holy shit like it gets you
1: he's a beast i mean the school bus scene it it's pretty Ooh. crazy what the killer's gonna do like you're like damn he's gonna like kill a bunch of fucking kids on the bus which was actually a threat from uh the zodiac killer mm-hmm. uh well like uh, that he was gonna you know that was it didn't end up happening but it was that was like a big kind of like next thing i'm gonna do is that so uh very very cool i love like the underground dungeon meetings like that they have uh there and it's just uh it's great and i highly recommend magnum force i know john millius isn't involved in that one so it's definitely a different kind of, it's more of an alex jonesy kind of movie than like a just a regular like good old-fashioned like right wing movie um so it's a bit weirder because the, the difference between the two is dirty harry is kind of like I know who I, I I will find the killer. I will kill him. However, these bureaucratic levels to all this shit is making me follow this process that will get a bunch more people killed. Right, which is classic m- male thing. Like I can step right over those and handle this shit, you know. And uh, then Magnum Force is more so actually the whole system's corrupt, man. Which <laughs> I, hey, I agree. So it, they're both great. Don't 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 bypass Magnum Force because you think it's not based. It's great.
0: Cool. okay well i think we can start to wind stuff down here uh i've got a couple questions before we leave so first sure. is uh if you could give any existing property the clint eastwood treatment where would you go with it and what would change so this um, could be a book or existing movie anything
1: this is gonna be a book i haven't read i got probably a couple ideas for one you brought up cormac mccarthy so it'd be really interesting to see like a, some sort of cormac adaptation with Clint. The Blood Would've...
0: meridian clint eastwood he, it'd be he's crazy Ooh. I don't know
1: I, do, I I haven't read it yet we're going to do it soon so mm-hmm. uh, but, but I'm I have you know I know it's one of those books you just know about so it's like yeah uh you know if he's I if I I don't know if he would ever take it to that level um I would have loved a Louis Lamore adaptation um uh a good a good Louis Lamore I think you know John Wayne had a nice hondo thing but like it would have been cool to see his like hondo um I also he was supposed to be rumored to be involved with Atlas Shrugged, a 70s adaptation really? directed by Michael Cimino, which probably would have been sick as fuck. That would um, have been
2: incredible. That, that, that's what they should have spent Heaven's Gate on.
1: Literally, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Cimino did instead, was oh. Heaven's Gate. Th- there might be somebody that can... Fa- but I know that was just one of the... In the 70s, you In always, the Mind Palace. In the Mind Palace. In the 70s, you hear of all these like, oh, and Brian De Palma was at lunch and he said he was going to do this thing. like, And uh, and then you're like, that would have been the coolest thing in the world. Why didn't you do that? Like, But there's yeah. always... These things that happen uh with that um yeah that i, I guess i would say atlas shrug I, I would think atlas shrug would probably like he i i wanted one more epic from clint eastwood as an actor like an epic like a true Patton like epic um rise and fall kind of thing um which we we didn't get
0: thinking clint eastwood's dune yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah like that yeah yeah Clint Eastwood, Wong Kar Wai, Clint, uh, Clint, with Clint Eastwood. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
0: Clint Eastwood. I mean, In the Mood for Love. It's another jazz song. Yeah. Love that's so big, perfect. I
1: bet. Yeah, He probably likes that movie. I'm not even going to lie. I like that movie, yeah. Softie. He was kind of a softie with, like, other people's movies that he liked. I bet you he liked that movie.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's just the Roberta Flack love scene for two yeah. hours. or whatever oh, yeah. Like it is. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that, that would be cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of some more, but anyways, if you got another question, maybe, maybe if some, some yeah, usually go ahead.
2: Yeah. Okay. So uh, your breadth of knowledge of Clint Eastwood is, ex- is exhausted. And if you had to reduce uh, down to your literally me character of Clint Eastwood, uh, who would it be? And I, I know you're going to say the man himself, but we'll save that in the back pocket. I want you to, to really try and focus like, Oh, it's tough. Which because- one?
1: Yeah, because it is the man himself. However, like it's tough because the the guys on character is the reason it's so good is because it's not me. Um, like because you're like, fuck, I need to be that. Like, yeah,
0: mm, yeah. <laughs> like,
2: well, it's like- in uh, in in your delusional fantasy, yeah, yeah, of course,
1: of course. When I'm when I'm like full on like manic mode, which can happen from time to time, I would say. It's probably it's probably Dirty Harry, and I'll I'll abstract Dirty Harry. I'm not a I've never shot a gun in my life. It's the most beta quality about myself ever. Mm-hmm. Once, I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm not going to do Daniel Penny stuff. None of that stuff. Um, I'm running. I run. I will literally run away from everything. Uh, I Get a marathon man away. I straight up will. Um, what I do is what I do is speak up instead of following the like later kind of thing hey was that weird like the like what dirty harry just bypasses all those stupid norms of society that we build that actually fuck up then now you see those extrapolated and you know carved into stone now that we have to do that but i just kind of like if somebody's being annoying i just go hey man shut up like i do it <laughs> i'll just be like hey like can you not can you not like and it's like everybody's like Dude, what what do you stop it's like what do you want to just like seethe over that guy later like that sucks you know and yeah, like they're
2: gonna have a lot of fun complaining about it in yeah. 20 minutes
1: so it's like the dirty hairy mentality of just like you see a problem just go fix it um that's 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 me um also just the fridge full of beer is pretty sick too and plenty for me just his house his house is, that house is so the zen garden is so tight
0: mm-hmm. speak my right. language on that fridge full of beers there so we got one more question for glenn before we let you go so the podcast is called Nice. I would like to know what's going on in your life right now that is nice, that embodies the spirit of nice.
1: Man, um I think, for one, having a podcast with my best friend, best man at my wedding, you know, like somebody I've known since 7th grade, 8th grade or something like that, like just um, doing the things we've always wanted to do, never had the medium to just kind of pour everything out uh and just be like because you know if we if if we wanted to do like music together it's still limiting you know it's still limiting you could there's only certain things you can play certain things that you actually are gifted at physical distance physical distance right all all these kind of that we and now it's just kind of like we just press record and talk to each other it's like kind of gotten back to square one uh which has been really fun uh doing that Meeting cool people, present company very much included, and uh, and then um, another thing is we survived the weirdest thing that's ever happened, um, at least in our lifetimes. The 33 years I've been on Earth, we survived that, and I feel stronger, better, and healthier. Um, that's not the case with everybody you see walking around in the world right now. I see people like straight up just like like Lovecraftian horror things that I see um, in in person now both in spirit and in physical uh being uh it's it's we're at a very weird time right now so if you're if you feel good right now or have the ability to feel good you're winning
0: there it is okay well Glenn, we thank you very much for spending your time with us this evening Uh, do you got anything to plug here before we uh before we call it quits
1: Oh, yeah, I'd like to plug uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, um, two, the two hosts of this nice podcast, uh, very heavily involved with our podcast, specifically the gain of fiction part of it. But but i mean big mac is an, a, an unofficial member of the show i mean i mean you would talk about graphic design talk about music talking about um man behind being, the curtain just being on the show he's been on a few gain of fictions and has one called 20 beers an episode a very fun episode uh that he did with us on there and um and then we got carlo who was on the trial which is the book i, I think about the most from the whole gain of fiction uh thing it pops into my, my head. book changed
2: my life yeah i it,
1: my life was changed before I read the book and then I felt and then I read a book about my life changing. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, um, and my psyche, just somebody somebody crazier than me writing about my psyche a hundred years ago. So that's uh wonderful. So again, it's a podcast called Rare Candy, rare candy dot com. Uh yeah, that check us out, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Rare candy, gain of fiction, the Glen word, and I will give a special shout out to Sai with Bob's red pill as well so definitely he's a
1: mastermind i talk more the wavelengths look really weird when we when i get the, the thing back it's like all me and then him that i get but uh my goal is to always get him to like open up and just spill out and he sometimes says the, the coolest stuff that you'll ever hear he's the smartest person i've ever met and just because i talk more he is very much an equal part of what we do and is like spiritually has got gets people to different levels that you'll never ever Get to without meeting somebody
2: like that. You guys are uh, your guys chemistry. You spend gold. One of the best shows out there. Can't recommend it enough.
1: Oh man, you don't be scared of us guys. We talk about weird things. You'll see like episode descriptions, and I think people get scared. It's fun. Just guys talking. Yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway. Well,
0: thank you very much for your time, Glenn. Perfect. I'm sure that we'll we're gonna try and bully sign to the show before too long. No but... oh, get
1: him! Yeah, yeah. I'll force him. I, I'll fucking. I'll just. We have a up uh, We're. Gonna, I think we have a Google calendar. I'll just put it. Just tell me the date.
0: And I'll <laughs> All right. Yeah, sounds good. And to all you listening, thank you so much for spending your time with us and uh, have a nice day.